0: Hey everybody, it's me Stu Helm, the food fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It is a podcast that I do throughout the week and then I string it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the progressive voice of the mountains here in beautiful Asheville, Western North Carolina. Hey, everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the food fan, and I am back in food fan headquarters. And I want to tell you guys about a very unique experience that I had last night here in Asheville, North Carolina, the greatest little food city in the world, where you find the coolest little food things happening. And so Don and I took a cooking class last night, and that is not something Don and I are generally inclined to do. It's just not in our list of let's do this today type of a thing. Um, But I got a very nice note from a very nice woman named Lisa Andreessen. And she and her partner, John Gotts, uh, not sure if they're married. Sorry, John and Lisa, just going to use life partner and partner and stuff like that. But uh, they, Lisa invited me to take a class, and invited me and Dawn, basically, to take a class. And I struggled, I wrestled with the idea of, do I want to do this? And the reason I did is because, like I said, it's not typical for me and Dawn. But also, I'm just like, man, that sounds awkward and weird, and I'm going to get covered in flour. And, it's, and I don't even, I mean, I like to cook, but I'm not very good at following recipes or instructions and yeah so i was hesitant but lisa seemed so nice and it seemed like a golden opportunity like something that i would regret if i didn't do so i said yes and i went and i looked on their website which is cottagecooking.com cottagecookingashville.com i believe and um they have a list a schedule she said pick a class from the schedule and i picked a class that was like fancy french food i don't remember the name of the class it was but it was basically fancy french food french is my favorite kind of food like my favorite genre or category is french cuisine and so i was like all right hook it up and the menu looked great and you cook and you eat and yeah i like half of that agenda right so Uh, I wrestle up Dawn. She's also kind of reluctant to do these things. So the two reluctant eaters show up to cooking class and it's in John and Lisa's house. They have an incredibly nice house. It is just, uh, for one thing, just as clean as a whistle. All the appliances, countertops and everything seem brand new, very clean. Their backyard, which when it's nice out, they sit out there with the guests, but it was very humid last night. So we stayed indoors. But their backyard is wonderful and beautiful, and they grow shiitake mushrooms, and they have an herb garden, and they have a they have a patio just for aperitifs, which I really loved. Uh, and of course, Don loves a good aperitif, so now I'm like, I got to build Don an aperitif patio. And uh, so the surroundings are just gorgeous. So when you get there, it's beautiful. It's it's not like a huge McMansion or like a giant estate or anything. It's just. Their humble but beautiful house in a very nice neighborhood up in near North Asheville, so just about a ten-minute drive from downtown Asheville, and so not like way out there in the boondocks. And and then John and Lisa themselves are also very nice. John is from Belgium; he's Belgian. And they are a very fun and funny couple. Like John has a great sense of humor, which is actually not apparent right away because his sense of humor is very deadpan. And it took a second to realize what was going on. And then once you know, you know, and it's just hilarious. I love deadpan humor and it was hilarious. Made me laugh out loud several times, genuinely laughing out loud at how funny he was. And then Lisa is like his perfect foil, his perfect sort of straight man. She does make fun of him as well. And he makes fun of her and then he makes fun of us and she gives him a hard time. And the whole thing is very funny and fun and light. So that makes a big difference, right? Like everything is better when it's fun and funny and you're laughing out loud and such. And that is what was happening. So uh, there were, they keep their classes very small. There were three other people there. There were meant to be four. They capped their classes at six. One person couldn't make it because of this dang COVID um, pandemic still raging. Um, But the three other people were very, very nice. They were two of them from Mills River, one of them from Hendersonville, but they were a family. It was a mom, her daughter, and the daughter's son. So three generations of people uh, cooking with us. And they were fun and funny, like they were smart and they said funny things. And it was, we were, we all remarked to each other that we felt lucky to be paired up with each other. Um, And I'm going to say, Uh, having done food tours for five years, this is exactly the, the dynamic between the people makes a big difference in how fun the tour is or how fun the class is, I would imagine. And so, you know, if you can book it for six of your friends, you're golden. But when you take your chances with other people, sometimes you get gems, just like we got last night with the three people who were with us. And that was great. And then, like, the cooking class itself was very fun, easy, fast-paced, and not, did not stress us out in any way. Like, I, that's one thing. I was like, this, I'm going to do everything wrong. I'm going to be so stressed. Most of the prep is already done for you, so you ain't chopping things endlessly. You Instead of making you chop things, they kind of teach you some chopping techniques. And the, the class is kind of about – it's more about teaching than it is about doing, although you you do things, and I'll get to that in a second, but John and Lisa, they teach you techniques, and I'm not kidding they taught me a couple of new tricks that I am going to use for the rest of my life, like for instance, I am never cooking another piece of fish outside of parchment again, like i I love fish. I don't really like to cook it at home. It does create a big fishy smell in your kitchen and sometimes your whole house. But when you cook it inside a parchment, that, That is contained, and it cooks really fast, and it cooks very moist and tender, and you put, like, lemon and herbs and stuff in there, and it's just fantastic. So John showed us how to do that. He gave us each a piece of parchment paper. We folded it in half. We drew a half of a heart on it and then cut that out, and then he showed us how to twist it up in the French style. He told us what to put in there, and then we put put it in there ourselves, and then we twisted it all up and Lisa put it in the oven for us. And that was so fun and easy. Like, oh my God, so easy. And then the fish was so delicious. Like it was salmon and it was great. And then while we were doing the fish, Lisa was sauteing, caramelizing some um, shallots and also cooking down some Brussels sprouts and some bacon. And so she was cooking all that stuff while we were working. And then she combined it all and, and telling us what she was doing. She wasn't making us do it, which was such a great relief to me. And, but she was telling us what she was doing and how we can have better results and stuff like that. Like I've been caramelizing onions and shallots and stuff my whole life. I learned something new. What can I tell you? So now I'm going to use that technique I learned. So then she combined all that stuff into a beautiful... Brussels sprout hash, she called it, although to me it was more elegant than a hash. And uh, and then we placed the salmon on top of it after it came out of the oven. And then we covered that in a dill sauce that uh, Lisa had made ahead of time. So that was the main course. I kind of skipped over the appetizer because I got so excited about telling you about wrapping fish and parchment and never cooking it in a skillet again. <laughs> never. I'll never cook it that way again. What can I say? Learn, learned a new technique. Never going to stop using it. And, uh, but before we did that, we learned how to make cheese puffs, something that I never thought I would be able to make at home. And I actually wrote down the French word for this and how to pronounce it. Now I can't find it anymore anywhere. It's, uh, it, I, can't, I, I wrote it down and now I can't find it. Oh, right here. It's called a gouger. A gougere is just a French word for a cheese puff. And by the way, the salmon in the paper is actually called sal- salmon and papillote or papillote my pronunciations are terrible, but gougere, I think I've got that one right. And that's just a French word for cheese puff. And so what we learned how to do, and Dawn learned how to do this herself, she did the bulk of the stirring on this one, learned how to make the dough. And then you make this dough in a very delicate way. It's not difficult, but it does take a little bit of slight, like a, a, a light hand. And then you put it in the blender and you mix it all up and push, push, push it together and we squeezed it out of a, a, a icing bag and we made little cheese puff rosettes and in the oven they went and when they came out i'm telling you what they were freaking great they were great they were maybe the best cheese puffs i've ever had they were amazing i want to try to make those at home in fact i'm i'm gonna to try to make everything that they taught us at home right down to the letter and then use that to sort of jump off and get more creative on my own. You can put any kind of fish or any kind of herbs in this parchment. So it's a great way to cook any kind of fish. Um, So yeah, the cheese puffs were great. And then for dessert, we had creme brulee. And they didn't make us make creme brulee because that needs to set for a long time. So they made it ahead of time. And then we learned how to put the sugar on top and we had a little torch and we burned it to make the crack leak or whatever you want to call it on top. And um, that was awesome. I'm so glad they didn't make us make a creme brulee from scratch. And I'm so glad that I learned how to brulee the top with the torch. That was really fun. And the the creme, the pot de creme itself was just incredible like maybe some of the best i've ever had john and lisa are not professional cooks but they are amazing cooks i guess you could say they're professional cooks because they cook for money teaching these classes but both of them have other jobs they told us that Uh, john is a physical therapist lisa is a is a professional writer and they do these classes to make extra money so that they can fund their personal travels around the world they love to travel so just a really unique business model there and they're great cooks, and so they taught us a lot of stuff. And, and Lisa made the creme brulee ahead of time, and it was creamy and just wonderful. I don't know what else you can say about creme brulee. The flavor and the texture were on point. And then we did our own crack, crackle on top, and that was perfect too. And what that also serves to do is sort of warm up the top of the, the creme part, and the bottom stays cool because you pull it out of the fridge. I mean, you could let the whole thing get to room temperature, but I kind of like that, that cracking through the hot sugar into the warm cream and getting down into the cold cream and then pulling all that back up on your spoon and having a really great bite. So the dessert was just fabulous. We were very full by the end of it. Uh, the other guests were really full and really happy. We sat down to dinner together, the guests did. Lisa and John hung out in the kitchen and cleaned and did prep and stuff, uh, while we were eating. And, uh, I understand that I don't eat with every food tour I do. And I certainly don't eat at every stop on any food tour I do. Cause it's more on food tours. It's more food than a meal. You know, I'm, I'm banking, uh, I'm trying to fill people up until they're miserable, basically on a food tour. That's what I do. Sorry about that world. Um, but this was like, um, But I don't do it because it'd be like a gajillion calories three times a week. And I'd be as big as a house. And, and I mentioned that to John and Lisa, and they said, yeah, that's pretty much the same. They can't eat this kind of food every day of the week. They'd be, you know, they'd have to work out every day and nobody wants to do that. Right. Um, So what can I say? Cottage cooking, look it up online, sign up for a class. Um, John was very adept at letting us know that like, Hey, like very, Cool, slick, and diplomatic. I'm. This isn't what he said. I'm paraphrasing, translating. He let us know, like, this is our house, and the class lasts two and a half hours. So after dessert, hit the road. You know, and he said it in a very funny and and like delicate manner. That it was clear what he was saying, but it wasn't offensive in any way. And yeah, I mean, it is their home, so you don't want to linger for three and a half hours when the class is only two and a half hours. And believe me, they are so much fun. You do want to hang out with them. So I had to be like, "They, these guys need their house. We, I got to, like, let's go. Let's get out of here, done." And everybody. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't the one saying everybody, let's go. But for myself, I was like, move towards the door and others will follow. And um, so I recommend it highly. Look them up, take a class, tell them Stu sent you. And, uh, and I, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but if you teach cooking classes – reach out to me I'd love to take one do would I I'm not sure but reach out to me anyways I'm glad I took this one. Zero regrets it was so much fun so that I can at least say all right folks thanks for listening I'll talk to you soon Stu Helm the food fan over and out Hey, everybody. It's me, Stu Helm, the Food Fan here at Food Fan Headquarters with my good friend Luis Carlos Serapio from Asheville Multicultural. And we call him Lucho. And Lucho, I was thinking last week, if my nickname was Lucho, I would definitely do some sort of lunch with Lucho type of thing. So uh, Right on. Thank Throwing you. that out at you, man. Funny. You're, one, <laughs> you're just one letter away from being the word lunch.
1: <laughs> well, I like to <laughs> eat. That's cool.
0: So, Lucho, I asked you to come on particularly to talk to us about Chow Chow Diaspora. And for those of our audience who may not know, Chow Chow is an annual event a food event that happens here in Asheville the very first one was a large event very typical of food festivals the and then after 2020 things really changed and now they were a lot of smaller but still pretty big events that happen around town so I went to the chow chow opening party and I'm going to talk about that on another segment but you are here to talk about diaspora so tell us all about it man.
1: Cool, so diaspora, uh, it's a really cool event highlighting uh, the influence of people that have been forcibly displayed from their homelands into a new land and how they influenced the cuisine in those regions. So when I read about that, I thought it was very interesting that Chao Chao was doing this. And also when I saw the lineup of people, I was even more interested and uh, marijuana, Irani. Was the person that was the MC, I don't know the MC, but really the uh, facilitator of the event. And he has a really interesting background. I believe he's from, um, he's Indian, but he really is from England. So his background is from India and he's from England and he is a very successful restaurateur. He and Ashville just uh, award winner from the, for the James Beer award with his Chai Pani restaurant. So anyway, um, the event was really full of diversity, a lot of great food and i was very impressed by some of them most of the people that were there really were newcomers and of course people like uh, irani are very recognizable in the local industry as well as the country but uh, it's a great event man i see it growing this is the second time i go to it and i really love that chow chow is created is, is making a really huge effort to make the local culinary scene more inclusive so um yeah i mean i, I don't know i can tell you that i also saw people uh, that were uh, a wine and spirits company, black owned. And I also saw, a, a what is it called? A Latino owned brewery. So there was really a lot of uh, people that blew my mind of what is happening, not only in Asheville, but around Asheville and even in North Carolina. Not not everyone that was there was from Asheville, but uh, yeah, man, I loved it. In fact, you know, I liked it so much and I ate so much, that there was a guy from France that really blew my mind were what he had brought. Everything was delicious. It really was. I really appreciate the effort and creativity of everyone involved. But this, why, this guy really impressed me. So, uh, Dune Pierre Michel from uh, French Broad Pantry kicks ass. And you see him, I mean, he's really in different uh, farmers' markets. But check out his website, uh, Frenchbroadpantry.com. He deserves to be supported. I think he's really elevating. Uh, that aspect of the culinary scene here in Asheville. I haven't seen nothing like his stuff. So.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I met Dune at a... I just randomly met him at La Bodega one day. He was in there with a friend of mine who introduced me to him. And yeah, he's a French pastry chef with a French accent. You got to love that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I love his food. And, I, uh, and of course, he seems like a really nice guy. I'm going to be yeah. collaborating with him very he's, soon.
0: He seems like a serious uh chef like He's into it yeah very into, into it and like you said a nice guy and so right now and I saw your posts about him so I was like oh Louis uh, really like this guy I did <laughs> um, man I really did and um so you said that you can get his stuff mostly at farmers markets um okay. I, he has an address though on Google is that just his like commercial kitchen
1: yeah, I think okay. so. he doesn't really okay. have a uh, space right now. He's gonna be at uh, North Asheville Tailgate Market this Saturday. I know he's gonna be there. Okay, and, uh, so I and can be know,
0: Okay, yeah, please do. I, I always I can always tell when when you get a favorite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So t- can we talk in more detail about like the was it a black-owned distillery and a Latin?
1: Well, here's he what really happened. So I'm mixing two events together because okay. really they were all, the both of them were about people of color and immigrants and how the influence of foreign lands impacts wherever those immigrants go. So okay. the first event was on Friday and that was Diaspora. And yeah, there was a lot of international uh, people there, or really people from different nationalities. And then on Saturday, had the, they had the entrepreneurs of color. And uh, yeah, so I really feel like intentionally this last weekend was about highlighting uh, multiculturalism in the local culinary scene and also in the region. Because Ebony Ebony Wine and Spirits, I believe they're from Charlotte and there were two ladies, two African-American ladies and they were very proud of their products and honestly they also surprised me. I've never seen a company like that and I'm happy to see that uh, an industry that is, uh, you, you don't really see much diversity to see two African-American ladies doing their thing. And I, I haven't been drinking for a while, but I did hear people talking about it and they, everybody seemed to be enjoying their products. That's so. great.
0: Um, and the the Latin um, brewery? Yeah. Latin brewery. Yeah, the,
1: the brewery, they are based out of Charlotte. They came here and I know the well is carrying one of their beers at least. And uh, it was really cool, man. Again, I didn't try their beer, but the lady that owns it and her husband, she's Dominican. And um, she, uh, the branding was really top-notch, man. It was very eye-catching. I really liked the colors and the names of their products. And um, yeah, I just thought that it was very fresh, again, to see somebody from the Latino community doing that. In Latin America, beer is huge, man. I mean, really Mexican. Uh, I I, I have to say it, man. In my experience, we do drink a lot of beer. So, yeah, uh, beer for sure. You and I had a
0: discussion about maybe two years ago about how the Asheville brewery scene not tapping into the Latin community is a big lost opportunity because of how
1: popular beer is with Mexican people. Yeah. Slowly but surely, I have seen some products here in Asheville that they are tapping into that. Okay. Uh, remarkably, Catawa Brewing Company, I don't know they're still doing it, but they did have a, uh, what was it called? Carolina del Norte was the name of their beer. And it was really cool label to have like a Cardinal with a Mexican hat and, and the beer I used to drink uh, back then when, they, when I first ran into that product. And it was pretty good. It was a really good Mexican lager. It tasted like a Mexican beer, but I must say the flavor was richer and I thought it was, I don't know, quality-wise, I felt like it was really good. Craft
0: so. it, craft beer. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be <laughs> Different. the same but elevated just the way that like it, at Karate, for example, the tapas is the same but elevated as what you would eat at a tapas bar in Spain. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's terrific. And for people who may have missed it, um, Lucho said that this beer That at least one of their beers is available at the whale and the whale is a is a like a beer bar not like a bar bar but a beer do they have a full bar i've actually never been inside
1: i've been there i don't know it's been a few years actually the last time i was there was before the pandemic right but i will tell you this it was it was the coolest uh hips i mean really very hip really nice decor they have a big skeleton of a whale hanging off their uh ceiling is huge cool. it's fake they told me but uh they have all kinds of different beers from around the world so it's like a boutique yeah beer bar i will say yeah that's the way i describe it
0: i've met both the owners of the whale and they are very unique people who are very very into beer and so it's great that they found this beer uh do you know happen to know the name of the beer or the name of the company well the
1: name of the brewery is salud okay so cheers cheers right Um, yeah so uh but i don't really know the the specific one that they have i know that they brought about six different kinds and uh and i also remember like one of the labels in the beers looked like somebody that resembled cheech to me, there's okay. no chicken chong. So I thought that was really interesting. Okay, uh, that's very cool. I don't know about the ingredients, but right. I really like the label and the colors.
0: Well, hopefully some of our beer drinking listeners will go try this and let us know how it was. Um, Luis, let's talk about the food at the Diaspora event. And, and did the Entrepreneurs of Color event also have a lot of food available? Yes, they did. Okay. So, so let's talk I'll- about your favorite
1: bites. Right on. So during Diaspora, my favorite, I will have to say, was a cachapa made by Hector Revilla and his lovely wife, uh, Julia, Julia Revilla. Uh, and they also had this mini empanada with chorizo and manchego cheese, man. And it was really beautifully done, the presentation and the flavors were great. I thought those were the, my favorite during that day for food. And that's also what I found. Uh, french broad pantry with that eclair like uh pastry so those e- three were eclair like
0: i like yeah. that so what was it like a cream puff type of thing yeah man it was a okay. cream puff
1: and what's impressive to me also is that that day was kind of hot not super hot but he was able to keep them cool okay uh, and uh, the flavor was strong man i mean i read that one i i have to- you hear me calling?
0: No, Luis, your connection is so horrible, man. Uh, You've been talking like a robot for like the last minute. I've been trying to be patient and let you come back in. But um, but we lost you. Now you're frozen. And dude, uh, wait, there you are again. S- speak, and if I can hear you, we'll wrap up.
1: No, man. Uh, not working. Explain about the food that I had. Okay. bad. All right, brother.
0: Um, The connection is horrible. Um, So I'm going to let you go. But thanks for joining us. And you mentioned Chef Hector Rivera, uh, and he was formerly of the El Gallo Taco, and now he's on his own. And he is a great chef. And so I look forward to hearing more about him and what he's got planned for the future. And Luis, uh, we're going to have to figure out this connection issue. It's the second week in a row it's gotten in our way. So we'll figure it out. We'll have you back soon. And I really appreciate you coming on to talk to us about Chow Chow Diaspora. All right. I'll see you soon, man. I'm going to end the recording. Bye. Hey, everybody. It's me, Stu Helm, the food fan back here at Food Fan Headquarters. And I want to apologize for the technical difficulties I had with Lucho in the last segment. I'll try to get those figured out before next week. We record these things live through Zoom, and it's a very fast-paced process here. Uh, And I apologize that sometimes it's not always perfect. But, you know, such is life. Life is not always perfect. But I thought that I would use this chance to segue into my chow-chow experience. So Lucho was telling us about diaspora and entrepreneurs of color to events that he went to chow chow is a culinary event or events plural that happened throughout the summer here in asheville and um it's just a wonderful very diverse and very fun and all-inclusive series of events that happen all summer. So look online at chowchowashville.com. I'm going to guess. I don't really know. Just Google those words if if that's not the address and you will find it. And there are still tickets available for some of the events later in the summer. And I'm speaking at an event in September. Um, I'm part of the Storytellers Dinner, which is a fun dinner where they pair up a person who is more or less a storyteller, and that would be me, with someone who is a chef. And in my case, that would be uh, Chef Patty Saints from Papusaria Patty. So I'm looking forward to working with Chef Patty on something. But any hoodles, I went to the Chow Chow opening party event with my girlfriend, Dawn. And we went there on a hot day and the sun was a And if anybody knows anything about me, it's a well, you know I love food, but you also might know that I hate the sunshine. I just hate it. I am like a vampire or something. I, I don't need to feast on the blood of the living or anything like that. I just don't like the sun. And so, as usual, I was like full of regrets that I had agreed to go something. I'm such a strange mercurial person, like if I don't get invited, I'll be, my feelings will be hurt. If I do get invited, I feel anxiety, like I better go. And then I wrestle with this idea of social awkwardness versus FOMO. And then I, on the day of, I'm usually like, dang it, I forgot this thing was happening today. And I go and on the whole way there, I'm full of anxiety. And then I get there and I have a great time. And that is typical of me and that is what happened at the chow chow opening party so describing a party to people that the party has already happened what is the point of that the point is that they will have an opening party next year so if you're and they have several events coming up throughout the summer so if you're if you didn't make it to the opening party this year perhaps you will next year and try to make it to the rest of the events this year and so the opening party was this thing where there was a lot of food vendors. It's like It was like a mini food festival, and the food was excellent. I just want to rattle through some of the people who were there. I, I don't remember all of them, but there was Storm Rumbar and Bistro, the Auditorium. Now, I think they're just called the Odd now. Uh, Bear's Barbecue was there. Ukaya Japanese Smokehouse was there. Feta Flave, the Greek food truck, was there. Botanist and Barrel, the um, local all-natural cidery slash winery was there um there were some people making smoked cheese i didn't quite get who they were but that was like the sort of big show of the of all the vendors they were they had these giant balls of gouda that were like the size of a football or larger and um they were hanging above an open flame and the cheese was just melting off. And the chef was like scraping the burnt cheese off and slabbing it on a piece of thick hearty bread for you and giving it to you like that. And there was a big line for that. And we got in line and we got some of that cheese. And I want to talk to you a little bit about getting in line at a food festival. You're going to get your food, right? Like don't panic. I have as I have mentioned many times, I get food panic. Like, I'm not going to get mine. This person going to eat all of that. I better get up there. I want to elbow my way to the front of the line. I'm going to punch somebody in the back of the head if I need to, you know? And that's just me Sherman out in my head and being a freak, right? But I know that other people have that. And the reason I know that is because when we were in line for our smoked cheese, some lady was crawling up our ass the whole time she touched us she was so anxious to get at that cheese there were three blobs of cheese the size of human babies there was plenty of smoked gouda for everybody lady um anyways that's just me giving you some you people out there in the audience some advice about when you're at a food festival you're gonna get your food they might run out towards the end but the cheese was clearly visible and so we could see that she was going to get her cheese. Anyhow, let me go on. The cheese was excellent, but I want to describe my two favorite bites. And sorry, everybody who didn't make this list of two, but all the bites were great. No bad bites would be my assessment of everything. Um, just amazing bites. And I'm about to expand my bites to three because I'm going to include a dessert. So the bites were small, they were towards almost said tour size. They were smaller than tour size. They were festival sized. And my favorites were from bears barbecue who gave a piece of burnt and with like something stuck to the top with a toothpick and dunk. Oh, it was like a roasted tomato or something stuck to the top. And one bite chew, choo, choo. So delicious. I could have eaten 50 of them, you know? So bears barbecue just came out of the gate and became one of my favorite restaurants. And I can admit I was a little dubious. I was cause they're, moving in from up north and who do they think they are and all this jazz and i'm a loyalist to the buxton hall but you know i got enough love in my heart for all the barbecue all the great barbecue in this area and bears really crushed it and my second favorite was from ukiah another one of my totally favorite new new restaurants in town bears is new too and ukiah was just giving out pieces of their um hamachi and it was fantastic it has a Little tiny green salad on top, and a little tiny bit of um, jalapeno to give it a zing, but not enough to set your head on fire. And uh, so those were my two favorite bites: a piece of beef that was cooked to death, and a piece of fish that wasn't cooked at all. And, and oh, and then my third would be the dessert from Fetaflave was like a panna cotta that had like a little blob of basil and a it had a, a candied cherry tomato on it. And so a very unique basil, like sweet little blob of some sort of basil jelly on top. It was really pretty. It was like a little white cup of panna cotta and a very precise green spot, like a s- sphere of this basil jelly and then a, a candied cherry tomato, something I'd never had. And so, you know, tomato, basil, and cheese are a wonderful combination, but then make that into a dessert, and it was fantastic. And that's uh, Chef Alex um, Backs and his wife, Athena, and Ashley Backs. and she goes – she is the pastry chef, and he is the savory chef, and his savory bite was excellent too. But the panna cotta was a superstar for sure. Um, so, yeah, that was – oh, and then the great thing about – ciao, ciao – for the locals and for the locals who are really into the food scene chow chow is for eaters and foodies and to me the difference between an eater and a foodie is that foodies tend to be a little more fussy about what they eat and eaters are just like psyched to be eating um and i i am in the latter category i'm just psyched to be eating so um seeing all the other foodies and eaters and food writers and the makers and the people I see on my tours all week and then people I don't see hardly at all and talking to everybody that is one of the great pleasures of chow chow and I want to give a special shout out to Jonathan Ammons uh, a great food writer and food blogger uh, I mean podcaster he does the dirty spoon so look that up if you don't know about it already I'm sure you do Jonathan uh, is just always a pleasure to run into, and he, he and his girlfriend told Don and I that they were traveling around North Carolina going to every mini-golf course, and that just sounded like so much fun that I decided to go play mini-golf in Hendersonville, and I'm actually going to, Don and I are going to stay overnight in Hendersonville and just have a great time in Hendersonville something i've been wanting to do which was to visit the little towns around Asheville, and i'll talk to you guys more about that visit them and stay overnight so that i can get a overnight experience at place in places like hendersonville weaverville waynesville any of your villes as well as maybe marion and uh places we'll see how far outside of Asheville i get but uh so the, I, that was already a plan of mine and then jamins was like telling us about these mini golf courses he told us there was one in Hendersonville, so we're definitely going to go play mini golf in Hendersonville. So there you go, folks. My little breakdown of the Chow Chow opening party. I hope that you can make it to any of the events coming up. The food is always great. The people are always really fun to hang around. You get to meet the chefs. You get to meet the restaurateurs. You get to talk shop if you're in the industry, and you get the insider's look if you're not. And so, yeah. Yeah check check out the storytellers event coming up because that's the one i'm gonna be at all right man i will talk to you all later thanks for listening and uh eat something delicious for me and then tell me about it because that's really what i want to hear is what you guys think is delicious out there all right bye i'll talk to you in a minute Hey, everybody. It's me, Stu I'm the Food Fan, back here at Food Fan Headquarters. And I'm just going to go over a couple of random things. And one of them is I've been talking a lot about salads lately. And I went to Buxton Hall, something else I talk a lot about, and I got an amazing salad. Now, I don't typically walk into Buxton Hall and eat salad. Like, that's not why I'm there. I'm there for brisket and chicken Philly and pulled pork and ribs if they got them a burger on occasion when they've got that on the menu i'm there to eat slowly cooked parts of animals that's why i walk into buxton hall barbecue but you know i've been trying to lose a couple pounds i've been trying to eat a little healthier i've been trying to get more salad inside of me now not just for health reasons do i want to eat more salads but so that i can talk to you guys about more salads because I know that other people really like salad. And the truth is, is that I do like salad. It's just not on the top of my list when I walk into a restaurant. But it's inching its way up there. So I go into Buxton. I look at the menu. It's very limited. And it's very, it's also a lot of heavy stuff, right? So I look at the salad section. And there is this chef's salad type of thing, um, summer salad with goat cheese and thinly sliced fennel, and I decide to go for it. And then I'm like, why not just get super healthy and order a side of fruit as well? One of my all-time favorite sides every summer is the little watermelon side that you get at Buxton Hall. It's just cubed watermelon with their like dry rub barbecue spice on it. And boom, that's it. They might squeeze a little lime on there. I'm not even sure about that but it's very simple, very delicious. One of my favorite things in downtown. And so I order these things and I'm like, you know me, I'm like, oh, I made a mistake. I should've got the brisket, you know, like uh, just shirming out in my head about regrets. And then the salad shows up and I immediately have zero regrets. It just looks fantastic. Big chunks of fresh local goat cheese on it, large slices of fennel, which is fresh fennel, which is so delicious. And just like a beautiful mix of buttery salad leaves like Boston. I don't know if they were Boston lettuce or anything like that, but it was the more sort of what I call buttery kind of lettuce. Um, I, isn't there even a lettuce called Buttercup lettuce or something like that? Uh, anyways, I like lettuce and this is good lettuce. And uh, I, the thing was huge. You know, I ate like some of it and then do Uh, Dawn was walking home through downtown. She texted me, so she joined me, and she ate some of it. And we I I think I actually did. I crushed it. I think I crushed that salad. I don't think we brought any home. So between the two of us, we just massacred the salad. And it was great. So the point of that story is get on in to the Buxton Hall Barbecue and eat a salad. I never thought I'd hear those words come out of my mouth. But there you go, folks. Eat a salad at Buxton Hall Barbecue. Now, the other random thing I want to talk to you all about is uh, a TV show. Uh, One of my food and beverage friends recommended that I start watching this TV show called The Bear. And it's uh, produced by FX, and it's available through Hulu. And and it's about a restaurant. And usually when TV shows are about things that are near and dear to my heart – I avoid them because they're usually really bad, like bad interpretations of it. I I still have PTSD to seeing punk rockers on Quincy in the eighties and being like, that's, that's not exact. That's not anything like what punk rockers are like. Um, And so the the PTSD lasts until this very day, like 30 years later or 40, 40, wow. 40 years of PTSD from an episode of Quincy. Yep. There you go, folks. That's how fragile and delicate I am. Um, But anyways, Uh, so it's a, it's a TV show about a restaurant, about the food scene, about chefs, cooks, uh, vendors, the whole custies, the whole thing, man. And it's called the bear. It takes place in Chicago. The main character's name is bear, but also, you know, bears are a thing in Chicago. They got statues of bears everywhere. There's a team called the bears. There's a team called the cubs. And so, um, there's also a team called blackhawks but whatever and uh so that's it's and it's all about the loop the loop the downtown loop in chicago and a lot of f-bombs flying left and right and so yes i did watch this my friend recommended it my friend dorian recommended it to me and boom i watch it and i haven't finished the whole season but we actually we did we finished the whole season last night and it was great the whole thing was great like just Very true to life, very gritty, and um, it's just an amazing show. So I recommend it very much. And there is a chef, um, I forget his name right now. His name is Chef Matty, and I'm spacing out on his last name. But he got kind of—he's a great chef and a great personality from up in Canada. And he used to record these selfie video type things of him just swearing his head off about how good things were. He's like kind of the original swearing his head off chef um, or food writer, but chef slash food writer. And he made videos and stuff too. And he's, he's well known. And I apologize. I'm forgetting his name, but uh, I, rec- but he's involved. He's a character on the show. He doesn't play a chef though. It's, he plays somebody who wants to be a chef, which is kind of interesting. And um he plays, and he's a consultant for the show. So it is very true to life, very gritty, very funny, very tear jerky at times, and get ready for about a gajillion F bombs and stuff. So, but I recommend the bear. Dorian recommended it to me. I'm recommending it to you. And now, the last bit of total randomness I want to do right now is I just asked on Facebook who's got the best alternate burgers in town, like alternate meaning not a beef burger a bison burger, an elk burger, a veggie burger, a chicken burger, a turkey burger, whatever. I wanted to know about it and the people spoke up and I'm just gonna run down a list and then you can, and I haven't had most of these. So I'm gonna use this list to go try some of these alternate meat burgers and sometimes there's no meat, veggie, and I I would encourage you to do the same. Let's all try these different burgers together so there is a bison farm near asheville or it might even be in asheville proper i'm not sure it is called carolina bison and uh so there's a lot of bison burgers available in this area and the number one recommendation from the fans was liberty house up there in north north asheville a really cute cafe i didn't even know they had burgers that might be new i'm not sure but they apparently have a really good bison burger now, also, Juicy Lucy's was mentioned by a couple of people. They are a chain. We don't usually talk about chains on this show. But my good friend, Bruce Waller, uh, he, his favorite burgers are from Juicy Lucy. And he mentioned that to me. And so I'll give Juicy Lucy a, a shout out. They not only have a bison burger, but they also have an elk burger, an elk burger at Juicy Lucy. And then Universal Joint, another small chain, not as big as Juicy Lucy, I don't think. But I don't know, I haven't looked that up. So look it up for yourself if you're curious. But they also have a bison burger. And then they carry an impossible burger made out of that impossible meat, which is very good. I haven't had their impossible burger, but I've tried impossible meatloaf and impossible burgers. And I love it. It's very good. And they also do a black bean burger, which is a typical sort of hippie style alternative to a beef burger. Um, Apparently, Wicked Weed has a nice bison burger according to everybody beer garden an old school asheville favorite has a bison burger and they also have a house-made veggie burger that they call a garden burger that has a lot of stuff in it including black beans um according to my research pax tavern has a bison burger and nick's grill has an elk burger and the barrel house has an elk burger so look those up Pax is probably the closest to me of those three. So I'll go try their bison burger. And I think I can order an elk burger from Nick's through kickbackavl.com. So I'll try that. And uh, I'll have to get on out to Barrel House one way or another to try theirs. All right. So... Then uh, for chicken burgers, and we're not talking about a fried chicken sandwich or a grilled chicken sandwich or just a chicken breast on a bun with lettuce and tomatoes and onions. I'm talking about a chicken burger. And of course, Nani's Piri Piri Chicken has an amazing chicken burger there. I've had that one and it's really good. So I recommend that. And then somebody spoke up and said that the Centerville Luncheonette has a chicken cutlet sandwich. And I would... I'll call that close enough, you know, a chicken cutlet sandwich. So go try that one, the Centerville luncheonette. Um, I looked them up online. I had not heard of them. They seem to be a very old school, humble luncheonette. And I love the word luncheonette. It's French for place to get lunch. Um, and then moving on to the veggie burger category, I've already mentioned a couple at Universal Joint and the Beer Garden, and I'm sure a lot of the other places I mentioned also carry veggie burgers. But the people spoke up, and they said Sunny Point has a great veggie burger. Laughing Seed, of course, a vegetarian vegan restaurant, has a great veggie burger. Rosetta's has not only a great veggie burger in house, but they they make them wholesale and they sell them in grocery stores and other restaurants carry them. So you can get the Rosetta's famous veggie burger at Rosetta's. You can also get it at Copper Crown if you're looking to get it elsewhere. And uh, it might be available at other restaurants around town. Uh, Somebody spoke up, some person that I, Respect very much. Um, a woman named Fallon works in the food industry. She spoke up and said that the black bean burger at the vault is very impressive. So don't sleep on that. Now, the vault famously has won the battle of the burger every year for the past 200 years. I don't know how long they've been winning that thing, but they win it year after year after year. And uh, so I bet that their black bean burger is real good. And then somebody mentioned that Wins Diner has a black bean burger. I'll have to go check that out. And probably most unique of all the burgers that were mentioned in the threads that I started on Facebook is that Asheville Pizza and Brewing Company has a spinach burger on their menu, and I'll have to go try that. I do like spinach, and I do like burgers, so hopefully I like their spinach burger. So there you go. There's a rundown, uh, just a cursory cur- – cursory rundown of the alternate burgers that are available around town of course you got beef burgers out the wazoo at every restaurant in town and you're going to have veggie burgers at most restaurants that have more than a couple of burgers on their menu and so tell me about them i'm always curious to know about burgers i want to try them all i don't care if i have a heart attack and drop dead as a result f this world anyways just kidding about that. I want to live forever and eat every piece of food on the planet um, or something in between those two. So uh, there you go. That was the the random bunch of crap I wanted to cover in this segment. Of course, Punk Rock Hot Dogs is coming up. It's right around the corner. Uh, July 30th, tickets are still available. There's going to be a judges panel, have a celebrity judge, which is a um, drag performer, Marigold showers will be there. And plus we have chef Steven Goff as one of the judges. He won the first punk rock hot dogs competition. Chef Eric Morris from from Cultura is going to be a judge. He won the judge's choice last year in 2021. And then um, just some great eaters are going to be judges, past judges who have proven themselves to be good judges. Not everybody is a good food judge. Like I ask for comments, and I see the sheets that people hand me, and I can see with my own eyes that some people are just not very good at judging food. Um, and so, the good ones I invite back to come do it again. And I don't—you can be good and not be invited back. I have a limited number of people, so if you didn't get invited back, don't assume that you're not a good judge. I just have a limited number of spaces on the judges' table punk rock hot dogs will also have a people's choice. The people's choice will be the ticket buyers. Tickets are advanced sale only, no tickets at the door, limited amount of tickets. This all takes place at the Masonic Temple in downtown Asheville on Broadway. Uh, One ticket admits two people who get to share 10 hot dogs and cast two votes in the people's choice. And there's a trophy for the People's Choice, a uh, plaque actually for the People's Choice. You can see it behind me if you're watching this on video, and a trophy for the Judge's Choice. And there will also be other prizes. And a oh, little piece of news is that um, Rocket Fizz Candy is sponsoring some of the prizes for the judges. And I went down there and worked with Rochelle, the manager and she is just an awesome person. If you don't know Rochelle, go to Rocket Fizz and meet Rochelle. She's just an awesome, awesome person. And she's already put – I walk in the door. She's already excited. She had already put together a bunch of stuff, like a, a mustard-flavored soda pop. Not even kidding. A lot of pickle-flavored candies. And the theme this year is goth. And so some goth-flavored – some of the things are not candy. Some of there's like a coffee mug with the, with kiss on it. It's just like a rock and roll goth, um, awful candy prize package from rocket fizz candy. And if you haven't been to rocket Fizz, it is a national chain, but I love Misa some Rochelle. And um, so I love going in there and talking to her and seeing all the crazy crazy candy they've got. Everything you've ever heard of and a bunch of stuff you haven't. And they have over 500 different kinds of soda pop. They kind of specialize in that. Really weird ones that make great gag gifts and such, as well as really uh, unique and delicious ones. So go check out Rocket Fizz. They are sponsoring the Punk Rock Hot Dogs prize package or co-sponsoring one of them And um, for the judges. And it's going to be a rollicking good time. Last year was one of the most crazy, frenetic, amazing, delicious, wild events I have ever been a part of. And I produce it with Shay Brown Events. Shea is like the Rock of Gibraltar, and I'm like this insane. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Like Shay grounds me when we do these events together. And so, look for it online: Punk Rock Hot Dogs 2022. Thanks to WPVM for letting me record these special uh, these segments and have a radio show. I have a podcast. I put the podcast together for the radio show and broadcast it for y'all. And I hope that you enjoy it. Please check me out on Facebook at Stu Helm Food Fan, on Instagram at Stu Helm Food Fan, on Twitter at the same Stu Helm Food Fan, and also subscribe to my Substack letter newsletter and get a little something from me in your e- email box at least once a week. All right, everybody, I'm going to check out for real. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. This episode of the Food Fans Radio Show was underwritten in part by Asheville Food Tours. Did you know that there are over 200 places to eat and drink in downtown Asheville alone? It can be overwhelming. Whether you're a visitor or a local, there's no better way to experience downtown Asheville than taking a food tour with Asheville Food Tours. Details, pricing, and an easy-to-use calendar can be found at AshevilleFoodTours.com. That's AshevilleFoodTours.com.